0: Hello, and welcome to this special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the 30th letter, Fatigue. Well, friends, we're coming to the end of this incredible book with just some amazing insights into the spiritual life and the reality of demons, how they attack their mindset. We've entered into it so much so that maybe the upside-down world becomes more and more familiar. Let's hope and pray not too familiar, but also as we've been going along, we've been following the journey of Wormwood's patient, and at this point we've seen him go through a conversion, coming into the faith, going through the highs and lows of faith and waning, being inserted into different friend groups, social groups, and then being inserted into this love relationship that's this woman who is very faithful, has a faithful family, has brought out the best in him, and especially as it comes to the faith. All the while, under all of this, is the looming reality of war. of war. And we've seen that the war is not the end game for the demons. In a, a sense, as, as bad as war is on a physical, natural level, On a supernatural level war is very neutral Uh, as we know from our church teaching there are even just wars and that's me saying nothing about world war ii as being a just war or an unjust war and yet just to appreciate right what's the response of the individuals especially on a supernatural eternal level and so when we get to this letter chapter 30 We come to this reality that the patient is now serving in the war. He's there. He's on the front lines. And what we realize from Screwtape's response to Wormwood is that Wormwood is not being effective in terms of tempting and tripping up the patient. The one line is that it says that he has been very frightened and thinks himself a great coward and therefore feels no pride, but he has done everything his duty demanded and perhaps a bit more. So a great insight, right, that even in cowardness and the real fear of this patient before the reality of the war, what he's called to do, he's not led to discouragement or despair, as we talked about last letter. We'll talk about that more in this one, about how sometimes when we fall into vice, worse than the actual vice is our response, our disposition to it, that we would feel too far gone. And that's not the case of this patient, who is very human, experiencing a cowardice. Great. But he's actually led to God through it and a greater obedience and fulfilling his duty and even doing a bit more than what's expected of him. This, of course, is all on the side of God, that even in our weakness, we would allow ourselves to be not self-reliant, but dependent upon God. In the, at the end of this first paragraph, there's an interesting line where Wormwood is obviously complaining and whining to Screwtape about all the difficulties that he's having with this patient on the war side. And Screwtape responds, if you're proceeding on the enemy's idea of justice and suggesting that your opportunities and intentions should be taken into account, then I'm not sure that a charge of heresy does not lie against you. Notice what's happening here, right? Here we, we can infer that Wormwood is complaining about he has it really hard as a demon with all of the attacks, all of his approaches, they've all fallen short and he feels like he has some sort of obligation uh, or mm, a sense that he's owed or deserved an opportunity to tempt him. And Screwtape just laughs at him and says, do you realize that this idea of justice, that you would be owed something or something is due to you, that's on God's side. That's a that's a virtue of justice, and what you're proposing is therefore a heresy. The last line of this first paragraph is kind of haunting. We're a screw tape, and you can just imagine in a diabolical voice saying, "Bring us back food, or be food yourself." In the upside down world of hell, there's no such thing as multiple people being able to thrive and experience love and goodness and beauty. So it's either one person survives or the other person doesn't. And that's the reality of, of hell of the absence of God, where there actually is no survival. There is no thriving. The only pleasure, if any, is dragging souls down away from God. So the second paragraph then gets into Screwtape's advice for, here's how you should then approach the patient. Attack his fatigue. Attack his fatigue, so that ability to be overwhelmed, tired, burdened. On the one hand, though, Screwtape admits that there's a positive fatigue, that fatigue can actually produce extreme gentleness and quiet of mind and even something like vision. Have you ever experienced that? where just being overwhelmed can kind of bring you to this place to whew, sit down, take a deep breath and kind of evaluate what's going on. And, and all of a sudden, maybe in that poverty, and that sense of really being stretched thin, there can be a great opportunity or impulse to be generous and to give and to see things more clearly. There's also a negative sense to the fatigue He says, the paradoxical thing is that moderate fatigue is a better soil for peevishness than absolute exhaustion. Peevishness, right? It's that ability to be easily irritated, especially about really trivial, unimportant things. This depends, says Screwtape, partly on physical causes, but partly on something else. It is not fatigue simply as such that produces the anger, but unexpected demands on a man already tired. What is that getting to? Well, it's this moderate fatigue that's feeling overwhelmed, feeling burdened, feeling stretched thin that can really affect him not only on the physical level, but more so on the emotional level. And he he talks about these unexpected demands on a man already tired. We've We've covered this a little bit already in the letter, but here's where fatigue adds an interesting flavor to these ideas of expectations. Isn't it interesting how in our looking at our duties, our responsibilities, everything that we have on our plate, we can tolerate a lot as long as they're within our expectations that I know that as long as I get this done or as long as I go for this amount of time, then all of a sudden I'll be able to be relieved. But the problem is in the spiritual life, we're not given any promises of exactly how much we're going to be able, we have to give or how long we're going to have on this world or how long we're going to have to continue to be faithful and be virtuous. So the fatigue sets in as a really deadly combination of expectations that are unfulfilled all in a sense of being tired. And this all of a sudden brings one to a sense of disappointment. Here's what Screwtape says. To produce the best results from the patient's fatigue, therefore, you must feed him with false hopes. Put into his mind plausible reasons for believing that the error rate will not be repeated. Keep him comforting himself with the thought of how much he will enjoy his bed the next night. Exaggerate the weariness by making him think it will soon be over. For men usually feel a strain that could have been endured no longer at the very moment when it is ending or when they think it is ending. End quote. So notice the false expectations or hopes that would be provided, especially to someone in the midst of war. And we can imagine this for the patient side in the battle, just thinking oh, just a couple more days, a couple more weeks, or a couple more air raids, this will be the last one, and then I'll be able to be, be relieved to go home. We can imagine, though, on the other side of the war, of the families at home, those who are missing their sons, daughters off at war, when are they going to come home? And the different words of hope coming maybe from national leaders that the the war, it'll just be a couple weeks, it'll just be a couple months, and this will be quick. We're just going to come in, we're going to finish this, and then it'll all be over. And so all of those things demons can play on (laughs) to set these expectations. And then with an underlying fatigue of just being stretched and having less resources and recognizing the tough reality of death and dying can bring to great discouragement. I was brought to thinking about a metaphor that I heard recently about Uh, I applied it to the spiritual life. I don't think this was er the original context. It was more in the line of a a pep talk given to a football team. And the image was that for you as a football team, you need to be able to sprint, to sprint, give everything you, you have, go as long as you can without knowing when the finish line will come. Which again, right, like, I don't know if you're a runner at all or have this experience of being able to sprint. And there's something about if you're doing laps around the track and you're coming to the last lap and maybe the last leg around the bend and the last straightaway, it's easy to mentally, emotionally psych yourself up such that this is the last stretch. I only have a little bit more. I can give everything that I have and go and go and go. And as soon as you reach the finish line, there can be incredible relief like, oh, I made it. I'm done. But the idea of sprinting without knowing where the finish line is, is one of the most torturous mental, emotional, even physical realities I can imagine. That was a bit of a hyperbole, but uh, (laughs) brutal, right? Like to, to sprint without knowing how long I'm gonna, how long I'm gonna have to go or how much is going to be demanded is really mentally and emotionally taxing, even more so than the physical. Oftentimes our body has a lot more to give than our brain wants us to think. Our brain usually starts tapping, tapping on our conscience, like at 50, 55%, like you're done, you're done. You have no more, you have no more to give. When in fact, we have a whole lot more to give, but our mental psyche says, ah, this is it. This is it. You have, you're going to be drained and then you're going to, whatever, then the fears come in. So what about us in terms of the spiritual life, in terms of fatigue we come to these places of, gosh, I'm getting up, I'm I'm praying every morning, or I'm saying the rosary for how long, or maybe these other devotions, or going to mass, or really trying to work on my family, and bringing my kids, or my grandkids, and everything that I'm doing just doesn't seem to have the effects that I, I want it to have, and so maybe you can start offering different terms, or limits to God, like, I've only got this much more, oh, I've I can only give you this much left and then I'm done. And then if you don't respond, if you don't make it happen by this time, then then I'm done. And this is where fatigue can really be exploited in our own life. They were actually given no promises by Jesus about how long we'll be called to endure and persevere. We talked about that last letter, whoever perseveres or endures to the end will be saved. Some of the only promises that Jesus gives us in the Gospels have to do with suffering. In this life, you will have tribulations. You will have sufferings, says Jesus in the Gospel of John. But rejoice, for I have overcome the world. And so that in the midst of uh, incredible suffering or discouraging results, that we might persevere with a joy all filled with a hope in the fact that the Lord is working. Even if our expectations aren't quite being met. Ooh, surrender, surrender our expectations. Okay, in this third little paragraph moving on, Screw makes a reference to the girlfriend, or I guess at this point it's a fiance that can really be tried to be exploited. Until it's not, right? Um, This girl is in a a good place spiritually. And so she's been able to build him up, build him up throughout. But in terms of the fatigue that the patient has and his fiance, fatigue could be exploited to bring about a drifting away from God on the level of bringing in resentment. He has this line. I don't know if you agree with it or not. (laughs) Let me know what you think. He says, If he does meet the girl, make full use of the fact that up to a certain point, fatigue makes women talk more and men talk less. Much secret resentment, even between lovers, can be raised from this. I don't know if you agree with that or not in terms of that generalization about the difference between how fatigue affects women and men in terms of talking or not talking. Uh, I don't know that I have a strong opinion. I think I've associated it more with my just temperament. The fatigue certainly makes me talk less and maybe just kind of turn in on on myself more, maybe become more introspective. But maybe that's more of a gender thing than it is uh, a temperament. Or as always, there's a combination of both. We're complicated in the ways that all of our factors affect us. In the fourth paragraph, it's a long one that will take us to the end of this letter. We see the screw tape says that, okay, we're attacking his fatigue. Can we do this on an intellectual level of his faith or on the emotional? And very clearly, screw tape says the emotional attack will not provide the best results. We need to go for the emotions, and at this point in reading through the screw tape letters, I w- would hope that we know why why are emotion or intellectual attacks less effective? Well remember from one of the first letters we find it may have been the first letter. Screw tape says that to use reason is on the enemy side, <laughs> therefore God's side. That reason, logic, truth that appeals to the intellect, are all on God's side. And so to make those attacks is to be on God's territory. So go for the emotional attack. It turns on making him feel. When first he sees human remains plastered on a wall, that this is what the world is really like, and that all his religion has been a fantasy. So now in this uh, first part of the paragraph, he's going to talk about the meaning of real things the way they really are. There were two different ways that Tape described this. Hopefully you caught it. On the first sense of the meaning of real, real is described as only the natural sense of what's happening, the bare physical facts, but in a way that they're removed from the emotional or the spiritual or the supernatural. So to be able to look at Maybe a a spiritual reality that happened and saying, no, 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 all that really happened was that you heard some music in a lighted building. So that's the one sense. It's only looking at the bare, physical, natural facts. The second sense is the emotional effect. Here, real is being used in the opposite sense. Um, He says, either application of the word could be defended but our business is to keep the two going at once so that the emotional value of the word real can be placed now on one side of the account and now on the other as it happens to suit us. So talking about this second sense of the emotional as being what's real, maybe you could imagine a complicated situation and thinking that, this emotional response that came from this other person. Maybe they got really angry and really lashed out. And while maybe you could justify that anger based on the different circumstances or the history between the two parties or what was going on in his life beforehand, you might be tempted to say, no, no, no. What's real was that anger, that hatred that emerged. And it's all of a sudden taking the emotional reality away from the physical natural or historical whatever these other contexts are so you have these two meanings and screw tape says what we need to do is use both of these to our advantage that well there might be really difficult physical situations we can imagine something as everything that this patient was seeing in the war attack that tell him that the only thing that he sees is what's real and don't let him see what God's doing in the midst of it through bringing people to conversion, to believing in him or God's mercy, or even in the providence of allowing great destruction, great, um, great, yeah, just great, great destruction. And yet still being able to bring about goodness, generosity, self-sacrifice and, and all these things. So on the other hand, imagine that in the midst of the war, he starts to see these different moments of love, of generosity, or even of talk of peace and negotiations. If they fall all under the guise of the real, then it's removing the like emotional part and allowing it to be disillusioned from what's actually happening. No, no, They're just, what's real is they're being caught up in, in this place. And and that's, it looks real, but gosh, here's the reality. There's never going to be peace. There's never going to be actual charity. That's just an emotional response. You see, again, it all comes back to this place of discouragement or despair, and then to isolation and ultimately just a further and further drifting from God. The creatures, says Screwtape, are always accusing one another of wanting to eat the cake and have it. But thanks to our labors, they are more often in the predicament of paying for the cake and not eating it. Your patient properly handled will have no difficulty in regarding his emotion at the sight of human entrails as a revelation of reality and his emotion at the sight of happy children or fair weather as mere sentiment so we see that yeah in this attack of on the what's real or not all under the guise of one who is very fatigued and drawn out and stretched out that you can come to really miss what's happening what god's doing and where god is working and so well you might want to have access to the cake and eat it too well you want might want to have access to The goodness of life and even in the midst of difficulties to see the positive side to be caught up into this attack of real emotions or real um, facts bare physical facts all of a sudden we can be actually disembodied uh, disconnected from god's grace and god's mercy so how do we need to focus on this gosh to be able to see what's real is this integration of the natural and the supernatural to not hold them one against the other, but to be able to bring them together that even in the difficult moments, we know that God is working and to make these acts of faith in terms of fatigue, to be able to offer our fatigue to the Lord, get behind me, Satan, right? Whenever we're in these moments of being tired and stretched and overwhelmed and might. We might encounter these different expectations or limits to how much further I need to go. Get behind me, Satan, right? That my generosity might be unlimited without conditions in a way that, Lord, I'm all yours. I desire to sprint. I desire to run towards you and towards all those people that you give me without any conditions or restrictions. Give me that grace to keep my eyes fixed on you so that I can run with great hope and great joy and not count the costs. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Okay, friends, thank you for joining us. We are down to our last couple letters. This one. Uh, today and then tomorrow will be the last letter, where we come to the epic conclusion of the Screw Tape letters. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screw Tape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Dry Bones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Persevere, do not give in to fatigue. Let's keep praying for one another. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God bless.